by Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. I literally was scared to death. I did not know what I was going to do. I remember standing up and I remember sitting down. (laughs) I don't remember really what I said, but I know that it was 15 minutes later. And my mission companion said, you did a good job. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. (laughs) So I just, I don't, I was helped. I don't know. That's, that sounds like Nephi. Welcome back. It's Jordan and Zach. Zach, how you doing? Doing great. Today we are joined with Jay Carpenter and that's probably the last time I'll refer to him as such (laughs) because Jay is my father and I'll just call him dad. Well, good for you. (laughs) He's my father-in-law too. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) So, but I call him Jay. I don't call him dad. Yeah. You got your mission call to, what was the, the full name of your mission? The Hamburg, Germany mission. Hamburg, Germany. So dad, when did you decide you wanted to serve a mission? I think I always wanted to go on a mission. Um, I didn't know what to expect going on a mission. I had no brothers that went on a mission. I didn't have... You have no brothers. I have no brothers. <laughs> I didn't have any that went on a mission because I have no brothers. But um, more importantly, I didn't have a father that went on a mission. Not that he didn't want to. But he was um, older, kind of like uh, our family, but um, he served in World War II and he didn't have a chance to go on a mission, came back, got married and started having a family. So I didn't have the opportunity to talk to him. Well, hey, what's a mission like and what, what do I need to prepare for? What do I need to do? So it was a whole new experience for me. Yeah. Who, who influenced you? Was it, was it the church? I mean, I imagine the church was always teaching, you know, go on a mission if, if you can, but was there anyone specifically that you looked up to or maybe inspired you to to want to go? So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my family was a big inspiration to me. My, my grandparents went on missions after they got older. Um, and so they were always asking, are you going to go on a mission? I think you ought to prepare for going on a mission. And my cousins all went on missions and it was just one of those things where everyone looked forward to going on a mission, but I mm. didn't really have anyone close to me that I could talk to about it. And you, you always had a testimony of the gospel at this point or. Yeah. I, I think I've always felt like the church is true. I've always had that, that uh, knowledge. But one thing that when you're starting to realize you're going to talk to other people about that and share your testimony, you want to make sure that that really is true. And I think every missionary goes through this at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I definitely went through that experience. Did you go through that experience on the mission or pre mission? So for me, it was while I was in the LTM. It wasn't an MTC then. <laughs> it was just right before they were building the MTC. But uh, 
it was while I was in the LTM, actually a little bit before mm-hmm. um, I'd read the Book of Mormon. That was a big deal to me. Um, I felt like it was true, but deep down inside, I really wanted, I wanted something that, you know, I could say I have felt this experience and I've felt this and I know that it's true. And, uh, I think it really happened to me just in the first few days on my, actually on my mission and wanting to know. So was that through your own you know, prayers or just kind of, just kind of hit you or like what oh, took you to that point? No, no, no. Uh, I think, uh, I, I was constantly praying for some kind of a, a, a knowledge mm-hmm. that I could use to back, back myself up and say, you know, I really feel like you need a church. little, yeah. Right. You had mentioned earlier that your father, grandpa fought in world war two against Nazi Germany did he have any strong feelings about you opening your call and going to Germany, a place that he had, you know, a, a people that he had fought against 30 years prior? You know, that's interesting. Uh, he never said anything to me about any bad feelings towards the, the German people. In fact, um, he was really excited when I got to go to Germany. Um, I, I think he was excited that I could go to Europe and go back and help people that, um, had suffered. Oh yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So you're in the LTM and what does that, what did that stand for back in the day? Language training, language training mission mission. Yeah. So you're trying to learn German and I imagine that's, I, I don't know. People talk about like the fire hydrant analogy or you're trying to get a drink. You're trying to take in something and it's just so much information and overwhelming, but you fly to Germany and you have the transfer meeting with the mission president and you're, you're getting assigned a trainer and every single trainer and missionary are getting paired off. And then what happened to you? So, uh, first off on our trip over, our flight was delayed. So we were delayed a full day and got into Germany, into Europe a day later than what we were supposed to. So we were totally wiped out and I was brand new, didn't know what was going on. We, um, had a meal with our, well, that, that night we, everybody went to bed, got up the next morning and that's when we started, um, being paired off. And, uh, you know, to me it was like, okay, all these guys are, are leaving and they're being shipped out. But I stayed in the mission home. And the reason for that is my trainer, uh, had also, he worked in the mission home and I'm not sure exactly what his responsibility was. I think it was something to do with the newspaper. They did a paper each month for the missionaries. And I think he was in charge of putting that together. But anyway, he was training his replacement. And not only that, he had converted the girl that lived next door and was baptizing her, I think on Friday night. We That was a... Thursday or Friday night, that baptism was going on. And so I'd stayed in the mission home, uh, I think on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then on a Sunday afternoon is when we shipped out and went to our assigned. So I was brand new. Uh, They had told us to only bring one suit. They said the suits over there are much cheaper and much better quality than we could buy. 
And uh, so I had one suit, I had two ties, I had about 10 white shirts, and uh, that's all I had. I, I didn't have a whole lot of clothes with me. And um, so one of the general authorities that came to visit was S. Dilworth Young. And he was going to be going out with the mission president doing zone conferences. But he was staying, I believe, at the mission home, not in the mission office. And um, for some reason, he was at the mission office. I was there and I walked into a room and he looked at me and he said, Elder, don't you think that tie is a little bright? I had a, a tie. It was a paisley tie and it had some purple in it. And I said, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you say to it? <laughs> nope. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. There was probably one other elder in the room at the time. And it was, uh, it, <laughs> anyway, I was kind of embarrassed, very embarrassed about that. Not, you know, not knowing that I shouldn't be wearing this tie. I thought it was a fine tie. But, um, that evening I'd gone home, well, home back to the mission, uh, president's home. And we stayed in the basement for a few nights and, uh, our mission mom looked at me and she said, uh, like your tie elder. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, I was petrified. I thought, oh no, everybody knows that I just got chastised about wearing a tie. So for the rest of the time, three or four days, I had a a brown tie. It was just, just one tie. Solid brown. brown. That's all I had. And that's what I wore. That's what you wore. Yep. What about any run-ins with apostles early on? So for some reason, the same Saturday, this was like a Friday. And then Saturday was state conference. And I'm not sure of the exact reasoning, but, um, Bruce R. McConkie was visiting and I think he was more or less on vacation. I don't know very many apostles that go on vacation, but I don't think he was assigned, but happened to be in the area and was going to talk at uh, the state conference. And he needed a ride to get to the state conference. And in our mission, we only had four vehicles and the mission president had a vehicle. That was it. So this was a Volkswagen bus. We all jumped in and, and uh, Bruce R. McConkie was in the middle seat and we started driving. I had no idea where we were at. Where were you seated? I, I was behind him. Okay. My future companion, my companion that was assigned was driving. He was the driver. They got going down the street and all of a sudden I could hear everyone start to speak in German. Now my German wasn't that bad, but I picked up that they were on the wrong road. And in fact, it was a freeway that led out to the airport and there were no exits until you got to the airport. And it takes about 10 minutes to get out there. So what happened was all of a sudden, in German, I hear all these people that speak English start speaking German. Right. <laughs> in the car. Like they're talking in code. <laughs> we're talking in code. And uh, I could hear him saying, there's no 
way I can legally turn around. I don't know if I understood the word legal, but there was no turn lane. And they were debating back and forth whether they should turn because it was a dirt strip between the, you know, going one way and Mm -hmm. turning around, coming the other way. And then Bruce R. McConkie said, I don't recognize this. Uh, Are we going a different way? And uh, we said, we'll get you there in just a minute. (laughs) And turned around, made an illegal turn with an apostle and turned around and got back to the church. (laughs) You got to do what you got to do. So in learning and speaking German and going door to door, were, were there any words that you struggled with? Oh, I... I struggled with a lot of words, but, uh, one of the first things that I made a mistake on. So, uh, there's a word for house and there's a word for rabbit (laughs) and they sound very, very similar. Okay. Well, let's hear them. Which one's, which one's rabbit first off? Do you remember? Hausa is house. Haza is rabbit. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I accidentally asked a woman if her husband was a rabbit. So that was. <laughs> and her, how did she respond to that? Well, my, my companion started laughing. So he was very outgoing and started laughing and explained that I didn't know what I was you, saying. You're trying to say is, is the man of the house. Is here. the man of the house. Is, is, is your husband home is what I was trying to say. And I said, is your husband a rabbit? And, uh, what'd she say? (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think she realized what was going on and we had my husband, my, my, my my companion had a good time letting me know that I'd made a mistake, but yeah, sometimes older missionaries, especially when you're a young missionary and I served English speaking, but you look up to the older missionaries to kind of give you guidance and direction, especially in new culture Mm. or new language. And sometimes older missionaries will kind of lead younger missionaries down the wrong path and that they'll prank them with like, say this in this situation. Oh yeah. Cause it's funny. Was, was Wait, there any, Oh yeah. Words like initiation. That, oh, yeah. yeah. Were there any words that were, were common? So one of the things I really liked about Germany is everywhere you go, every block, every other block is a little bakery and just I, fresh. I just, handmade. I just love the little things that they make and, and uh, so it wasn't uncommon that we'd go in and get something to eat every other day or so, just something. And whenever there was a new missionary, we would go into the bakery and we would say, you know, one of the best things they have here is a Dauphin. And in German, that means one of those. It means what? Those. Those. That's one, it? One of yeah. those. One of those. Yeah. Okay. So... The, the new elder would look into the proprietary proprietor's eyes and say, I want one of those. And the proprietor of the bakery would say, Bofan, one of what? So we told him, don't get a Bofan. <laughs> you don't want one of those. Don't get one of those. Get a Dauphin. <laughs> <laughs> and it would go back and forth until we'd finally break in and say, okay, here's what, here's what you just did. That's okay. funny. Um, what about haircuts? Okay. <laughs> I know sounds, this story. Yeah, it sounds it, like, you know, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so the first time you go in for a haircut, there's so, uh, 
a schnit is a cut. Okay. All right. And so we would tell people or the new elders that there's a, there's a really good haircut called a Kaiser schnit. Well, that has nothing to do with a haircut. So when they would walk in, they would ask for a Kaiser schnit and we'd all laugh because that means a C-section. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine the, bar- the barber probably hates like American yeah. missionaries. Like dang it, these guys. So how, how do you, how do you say haircut? Hotter schnitt. Hotter schnitt. Okay. So it doesn't Kaiser mean like head though? King, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, like, king, like a Caesar. You know, I'm not sure if it's just a name or if it, or, or, or what, mm-hmm. but, uh, all right. But you'd go in and ask for a C-section. Yeah, get the C-section. That's a good cut. So I know you you love to hike and you enjoy nature. Um, can you tell us about a memorable pee day when you're out in nature hiking around? Sure. These sound like extremely baited. They, these are way baited. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly where. Okay, so you're trying to pull a story yes. out. Okay, okay. You're, you're trying a, to get the story out of me. Okay, so uh, probably three-fourths of my way through the mission we had had conferences with uh, our mission president and he had warned us that um, we were on the border between uh, East and West Germany. And that's not something to take lightly. Uh, so when you're on the border uh, in, in towns like Berlin, there was a, actually a wall. And in a lot of places there was a wall. You could not go across. But out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere, it's just a barb- barbed wire fence and they're not very tall. So we decided that, you know, hearing that we didn't want to, you know, break any rules or try to get across the border, but we wanted to see it for ourselves. We wanted to see what it was like. And one P day, we went out for a hike up in the woods and it wasn't really that far. It was probably five miles from our apartment. We rode our bicycles and found a trail and went hiking up into the mountains, which is very common there. And we were hiking along and uh, sure enough, we came up on these signs that said, do not pass, do not go over here. Can't remember exactly what they said. Was there barbed wire or is just signs? No, it was barbed wire. Okay. With signs. And the trail was right there, right, right next to the fence. And we thought, wow, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's no one here. And we thought it could be, we could very easily, you know, jump the fence and jump back. Who would know? Uh, So we're hiking along and I saw kind of a light, kind of a flash. And I thought, what is that? And I kind of looked a little bit closer. We kept hiking and I saw it again. And then I realized there was an individual with field glasses, with binoculars looking at me. And he had put it up just such that the sun had uh, bounced off that lens. And I saw it. And then we all stopped and we looked over there. And sure enough, there was people watching where we were at. And there were not only that, but there were towers. So every, you know, quarter mile or so there was a tower. And, uh, 
it was made me really aware that yes, they patrol these areas and you don't want to be messing around. That's an eerie feeling being watched. Had anybody in your mission gotten in trouble with that up until that point? Like, no, okay. no, there was some missionaries in it that went over into Czechoslovakia and the church had to, it took about a month to get them all back. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're, that's still post-World War II, but that's still pre a lot of countries' developments over there. So everybody kind of is watching everybody. Yeah. 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 It, for sure. yeah. it was totally different than it is now. Uh, what was, and you served in such a unique time. What was unique about the people and their traditions in Germany? You know, the German people, they're a very proud, proud people. Um, I'm not sure where you want me to go with this, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. Um, the one thing that I found out there, uh, the most respected people are those with the titles or the titles are give them the respect and it's the education. So if you called someone hair doctor, professor, then that was a very high title. And, uh, it was the professors in the universities that got paid very, very well. It wasn't as much, um, you know, the, the other people it was, they put a lot of it, a lot of e emphasis on education. So real quick, what, what do they call elders? So in Germany. Yeah. Is that weird to take on a title that in other countries, at least in America is like, Elder is someone that's wise and has yeah, years and, and years. That's kind of why I bring that up. In, in a in a society that respects titles, what do you how how do people take elder? We didn't say elder. What what did you say, brother? brother? Okay, right. So your your name tag said brother. No, it said elder. Mon frère. But you'd refer to but each we other as we uh, we called each other brothers. And that's how you say mon frère, right? Mon frère, isn't that how you say brother, or is that frère? Bruder? I don't know. I don't know what language I'm speaking. Bruder? How was it interacting with those people that respect those titles? Was it kind of, was it hard? You know, uh, it was interesting because a lot of times we would go door to door and the way that we would approach the door is we would say, uh, we're, uh, we're two Americans and we've come here with a message for you about Christ. And a lot of times they would let us in because they're curious about America. People really respected and enjoyed talking to people from America. Not everyone, but a lot of people did. Oh. And I think that was because of the, the rebuilding, the, uh, the help that we gave back to Germany after the war. And I got a real quick question because you had talked and you said not everybody. Were there still, I mean, again, this is post- World War II, were there some respecters of, I don't want to say Nazis or anything like that, but were there people that- You said they were proud people, so they loved their country. Ill feelings towards Americans? Yeah, that were- I, I didn't run any, into anyone that would, wanted to harm me in any way or, uh, or make fun of me or, or say, mm -hmm. hey, you're from America. But um, you have to understand that when I was there- and. It, and the older I get, I realize that really, you know, I served in, you know, 1974, 1945 is when the war was over. So that's 29 years later. Yeah, yeah. And most of the women that were 50 years old at that time, as when I was serving, 
did not have husbands. They were, they were widows. And most of the men that you saw that were 50 years and older, uh, didn't have an arm or didn't have, you know, something was. So you still saw a lot of people who were affected Right. By the war. Right. Wow. And, so, and even like around the city and stuff, you yeah, saw. Yeah, were there. Oh, absolutely. Buildings that, I don't know. I'm sure you could build a, rebuild oh, a building. Oh, every, but. every town that I served in, there were uh, pillboxes that still remained. Uh, there were uh, what they call Gedeknes Kirche, which is a, a remembrance church that they would leave that would, had accidentally been bombed because the, the fighters would try to mm-hmm. miss that. But, uh, Sometimes they just couldn't control the bombs. Uh, so there were churches that they were still left as landmarks, uh, pillboxes, um, lots of different things that you could tell. Uh, when I was in Hamburg, which was about halfway, two thirds of my, yeah, about halfway through my mission, uh, downtown areas were brand new and then really, really, really old buildings right next to it. And then brand new and then really, really old so you knew that those were the areas that got bombed out. Hmm. Yeah. So tell us about, and mom wrote up a list of like things that she wants you to say. Tell us about your mission bike. Oh boy. Well, so when I went out, uh, the first area was uh, Bremerhaven. It's right on the, right on the ocean, North Sea. And there was four elders in an apartment and I didn't have a bicycle. It was my first area. So one of the elders said, there is a bicycle that a member has that a previous elder had, had used. Let's go ask him if we can borrow it. So uh, we went out and the members said, oh yeah, absolutely. Here's a bicycle you can use. Uh, and... So yeah, all I remember, it was a, a black bicycle. And after, after receiving the bicycle, it was a zone conference where S. Stewart Young spoke. And anyway. You, uh, had, a new, you had that brown tie on. I, yes. <laughs> and anyway, so uh, it was probably five in the morning. It was dark. We went to the train station, parked it, locked it, went to the conference, came back. It was probably five or six at night, starting to get dark. All the elders got their bicycle and I'm looking around, where's my bicycle? Somebody had stolen the bicycle. Mm. So I got to ride it once and then uh, I decided, okay, there's a bunch of parts underneath the, uh, we were on the second store story of a home and uh, there's a storage room down underneath us and there was a bunch of bike parts there. So I decided I was going to make a bike. And so I just started finding all the parts and there was a bike store probably two, three blocks away and got to be really good friends with him and, (laughs) and basically built my own bicycle out of the parts and what I found. And, and, uh, that's what I rode my whole mission. Wow. Was it it all like different colored and like, no, it was, it was a, most bikes were black, but this one was a blue bike. And, uh, it, and the wheels were just, instead of a 28 inch, they were 26 inches. So they're a little bit different, but it worked fine. Nice. Your bike is your, your steed. (laughs) That's what I would call it on my mission. 
I didn't ride any bikes. Chevrolet legs. Yep. Just walking around. Um, you had mentioned Bramerhofen. What was special to you about Bramerhofen? Well, uh, Bramerhofen was my first area. And my companion, my trainer was John Matson. He was from Canada. And he had come to Germany a year earlier and worked, and worked in a bicycle factory and built bicycles just so he could learn the culture and learn the language and just, he wanted to do something different. Just out of curiosity before he even had his mission call? Right. Wow. Wow. Okay. So he was a convert to the church and uh, came back home a year later, got a call and went back to Germany. So by the time he got to Germany, he already spoke German. He already knew the people. He already had friends there. And uh, he was a very outgoing individual. So when we got to our first area, the first thing he did is he went to the newspaper, said, I want to be interviewed. We're new to America. Uh, we're from the American continents, what he said, you know, Canada. Canadian. And, uh, and he wanted to be interviewed. And there was a little article that came out and it was, uh, uh, it was exposure to, you know, everyone there that there were two Americans here that were, or not Americans, two. North two Americans. <laughs> North Americans. And we were missionaries. And as a result of that, one of the things that happened was there was a church in downtown Bremerhaven that said, why don't you two elders come and why don't you tell us about your religion? Just kind of an educational type. Like come talk to the congregation from the podium. Talk, talk to the congregation. Wow. And it wasn't on a Sunday. It was uh, an evening. I can't remember like a Thursday or Friday night. And so he was all excited about it. Oh, great. Part of our little branch, they were going to come and be there. And I was scared to death. <laughs> I had no idea. This is idea. your first area too. This so is you my didn't, first, you didn't I had been on my mission about two weeks. <laughs> Public speaking scary enough, but then you're like in a different I, country. I had different no language. idea how I was going to speak for 15 minutes. I, I couldn't even, I, I was just barely learning the language and I was, I was petrified. And, uh, I decided that, well, I know how to bear my testimony. I knew how to do that. And I had memorized the Joseph Smith story. I'd also memorized, you start memorizing the discussions. Mm -hmm. And back then there were six the discussions. Brother Brown or... Right. Yeah. And I had not memorized all the discussions, but I did know the Joseph Smith story and I'd had that memorized. So I figured when they asked me, I can do the Joseph Smith story. And then after that, I can bear my testimony. I literally was scared to death. I did not know what I was going to do. I remember standing up and I remember sitting down. <laughs> I don't remember really what I said, but I know that it was 15 minutes later. And my mission companion said, you did a good job. Wow. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. So I just, I don't. I was helped. I don't know. That's, that sounds like Nephi where he talks about being carried by the spirit and just 
not knowing where he needs to go, but yeah. the spirit was taking where he needed to go. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Anything come of it from, from that meeting with, with all those people or did you see him later on as you're attracting or, you know, uh, I don't remember that any of those individuals were, uh, taught later. Um, I really don't know, but we had other experiences that uh, certainly made up for it there. That's yeah. awesome. Um, was there any, you're new to this country and this culture. Were, were there, was there any difficulty with the food that you experienced or maybe another missionary had experienced that you were with? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I, I didn't really have any difficulty with most of the food. Um, they do a lot of different yogurts. They do a lot of different uh, variations of yogurt. But I think what you're trying to get me to talk about. <laughs> this is a funny interview because I'm like pulling. I'm like, so that, that this was another story's coming question. out. Okay, okay. And then I'll hold my question off. This, this is, a, uh, I think this is what you're talking about is an experience I had when I was with uh, probably four different elders. We had been invited out to uh, eat at a member's home after church. And uh, one of the things that they were, were giving us was a... Uh, it's called quark. It's a, a very thick, thick yogurt. Um, and they, they drain all the liquid out of it as much as they can. And then they put a fruit on it. Uh, some people compare it to like a cottage cheese, but it doesn't taste like that at all. Um, and I, I really liked it. I didn't really have any problems with it, but this one elder that we were with did not like this, uh, this particular dessert. And he decided that when the, the member walked out of the room, they were going to get rid of it. And we were in a home that had uh, storm windows, one on the inside and one on the outside. And the inside windows were open. The outside <laughs> windows were not. <laughs> and he tossed it, but it only made it to the outside window. And it was, it was a very embarrassing situation. Did, did the member... See it? Yes. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I, tough. I, I wanted you to bring that story up because there's a moral to that story. And the moral is if you are a missionary and you will be introduced to new foods, probably anywhere you serve. Oh, yeah. And it's absolutely... And I served in the South and people were like, hey, you got to eat this. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. You can say, hey, this is new to me and I'm really struggling or tell them you're allergic. <laughs> tell, just, tell, just don't throw it out the window or try. No, 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 no. Definitely do not do that. That was the most embarrassing thing that, that I, I was involved with. I just looked up Quark and it says it's in the sour cream family. Okay. <laughs> so you're putting oh, yeah, you a, got pictures. It doesn't look bad. No, it's not. It just looks like a form of cheese. It's a th very light cheese, I guess, if you want to call it that. Well, that, that's kind of where I was going, obviously, because we had yeah. Mason Duncan was our first guest and he talked uh, for a good 20, 30 minutes about the food and about certain right. dishes that he just loved. What was one thing that you, to this day, every, you know, you're working at your desk every once in a while and you just, you find yourself thinking about some random German food. Well, you know, Hey, I was, I was the dessert guy. I mean, I was, the bakeries over there are just absolutely incredible. And the, and the cheesecakes, you, you can't get better cheesecake anywhere other than Germany. It's just, so you just buy it by the slice kind of thing? Oh, well, well, we buy the whole thing. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You should. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I mean, they had blood pudding and stuff like that, but I never, 
never got involved with, I never, that was never served to me and I didn't. Another thing it. he talked a lot about was the, the meat, certain yeah. types of meats. Yeah. Um, was that a big part in your uh, mission too? That you had a lot so, of, or, or like what was a cultural staple back then? Okay. So one of the, one of the things that they had, if you went down on the corner and, and you're, you're hungry and you're out on, and there's a little stand out on the road, it would be uh, something like a bratwurst or a uh, currywurst or something like that. And oh yeah, they're really, really good. And they don't put it on a bun. And oh no, it. no, no. It's, it's just a little, it's a little square of bread that they give you. And you use that as your, your napkin to hold. <laughs> your napkin and your holder. Yeah. The- you hold whatever it is that you've just purchased and then you eat it. Hmm. It's, it's good. It's really Mason, good. Mason came to my house and made currywurst and it was Cur- currywurst. Yeah. It's a W. So it's the verst, right? The yeah, v, right. But it is, is fantastic. Um, on your mission, especially being away from your home on a holiday can be a memorable experience. Was there a Christmas that was special to you on your mission? I mean, Christmases are always special. Uh, uh, there's several things that happen. The, 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 Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> again, I don't know if I know this story. I just know that mom's like, Hey, you got to ask dad about Christmas in Germany. So one of the things that uh, they do in Germany is, is they, um, they put out, uh, your shoes on the steps in front of your room or in front of the house. And the parents will put different things in it leading up to Christmas and if you're bad, you're getting a piece of coal in there. From Belschnickel. <laughs> and it's, when we were there, we had a little, uh, we had a little Christmas tree in our apartment. And then we'd have these little clips that go on there. And they'd put actual candles, lit candles. Now, you never, ever see that here. No. But they would do that in Germany. And you'd, you wouldn't leave it and walk in the other room. Right. You'd only leave it long enough to look at and then blow it out. But, um, they actually had lit candles on Mm. their, on their tree. Um, I'm sure they do the, the lights, but we, we were going the cheap route. Um, in Bremerhaven where I was at, there was a American branch and there was the German branch. So there was a naval base not too far from the town. And we, got invited by an American family to come open gifts on Christmas day. Wow. And I'm thinking, Oh, well, this will be kind of nice. And when I got there, the elders had two or three packages each under the tree. And I'm thinking, boy, they've spent some money or done something. So we start unwrapping these things and we've, Find out that, oh, that's my sock. That's my, somebody took my umbrella (laughs) and wrapped it back up. (laughs) So we hadn't been able to find umbrellas for a couple of days and it had been raining. And and they had wrapped these things up and gave them back to us for Christmas. So that was our our Christmas in uh, Bremerhaven from the American side of it. On the the, uh, German side of it, uh, one of the traditions they do is a, a Christmas mass on, on the night before Christmas. Like a midnight mass. Midnight or? mass. And we actually got permission to, to go to experience what that was like. And it's a very, very interesting tradition. Uh, 
I don't know if they do it this way all over Germany, but they give the presents at night. Yeah. I think Mason had talked about that. He basically, he also said that the Germans think they invented Christmas. Uh, they probably did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> St. Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, but he had talked, uh, I think he said the the tradition is normally at midnight. That's when you give the gifts. Right. So when we were there with the family, they would have all the kids go to their bedrooms and they would say, go into your bedrooms and we'll see if uh, St. Nicholas comes. And he would come and they would put out the gifts and then they say, oh, St. Nicholas was here and they'd open up the bedroom doors and then they would, kids would come out and open their gifts. Nice. So that's the way they did it there. Um, and I'm trying to think, Handel, like Handel's Messiah, wasn't he German? Wasn't it? Yes. So did you hear tons of- Oh yeah, absolutely. Classical Christmas music. Yeah. I'm sure they're proud of that and a beautiful, beautiful time of year to be there. Um, tell us, so how long were you in Bremerhaven for? Probably about three or four months. Okay. Yeah. And then another area that you had mentioned that was special to you was Wilhelmshaven. Did I say that yep. right? Uh-huh. What was special about Wilhelmshaven? How, how long were you out? And was that the area right after Bremerhaven? Or? So, no. The first area I was at was Bremerhaven, and then I came back and I was I served in Hamburg, right downtown. Huge city of about five million, but in size, it's about five miles by five miles. Okay. So you know when you're traveling in Hamburg on the trains or on the uh, subways, it doesn't take that long to get around. Um, but in uh, Wilhelmshaven, where we were at. They only had buses. There was no subway. There was no, other than the train getting there, that's, that was it. And uh, Wilhelmshaven was kind of an interesting place because when I got transferred there, um, I was made, I think that was where I was made a senior companion. So uh, the individual that I was to be the senior companion or is actually someone that lives in Mesa. And I'd known him. Before the mission? Before the mission. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And when, when the zone leaders found out that we knew each other. Oh, we got to break them up. <laughs> it, it only lasted about a month. Oh. Uh-huh. Maybe a little more. Really? But yeah, we worked really, really hard and. And uh, they had already had an individual that was committed to baptism and my companion got to perform the baptism and I helped with the confirmation. But um, probably the neatest experience, well, there's several different experiences, but one of the, one of the times we were down downtown and we're just walking along and asking questions, golden questions downtown. And it's a cobble street road. There's no cars that go down it. And it's like a big open mall is what it's like. And we like that. Yep. I just pulled up a picture. Okay. And, uh, we're walking along and my companion and I have our backs to this individual. It's probably 200 feet away from us. And off the walls of the buildings around us, we hear this, hey, you guys, what are you doing here? 
In English. In English. Okay. Not in German. And we both turn around like, who are you? And, <laughs> and it was a young girl, probably 17 years old or so. Her name was Kim Holtz. And she had been uh, studying uh, English, had been a, a, a exchange student in America in, I think in Minnesota or something like that, and spoke absolutely perfect American English, which was rare. That's probably refreshing. And so we quickly became friends and invited her to come to, to Mutual, which was on Wednesday nights. And she, she really start, started to become friends with all the, the, the members there. And it was only like 30 people in the branch. And she invited us to be, come to an English club to speak English. And so our, my companion and I thought, well, you know, it's really, not, it's really not teaching the gospel, but I think it'll be good for contacts. So we went into this little room. And there was probably about 10 different tables set up in their cir circular tables and probably 10 or 15 people around each table. So there's a lot of people here. And we walked in and this Kim stood up and kind of introduced us. Hey, these are two Americans here teaching their religion in our little town. And, uh, they said, well, why don't you introduce yourselves? And so we both introduced ourselves. They said, well, don't sit together. Why don't you pick out a table? <laughs> so we both sat at different tables. And when we both sat down, I don't know what my companion was asked, but the first question they asked me was, what are you doing here? Of course, so that Perfect. was the first discussion right there. And we got several discussions off of that. But this, uh, this Kim was 17 years old and, and our parents really didn't want us to talk to her, but they didn't discourage her from coming and, and coming to mutual and doing things. And, uh, this was now Christmas a year later. I'm in Wilhelmshaven and she invites us over to her house for Christmas afternoon. I'm thinking, Oh, that's, that's nice. And so we go over there and it was her parents, their priest, Kim, and these two young missionaries. And it was very cordial. Uh, it turned out actually a good experience. And she had some friends there and we had a little, you know, snacks and things on Christmas afternoon. And then that was, that was about it. We didn't, we didn't really push that relationship because her parents were a little bit against it. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, 10 years later, Dana Duncan served in that area. No. Yep. As Mason's dad. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Kim was, had been converted. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That's insane. Now I'm not sure if Dana met her or not, but she, he later lived in Germany. So I'm sure yeah. he was more familiar with the members. Right. That's awesome. Now, have you, have you maintained contact? I mean, you had one companion that was obviously from this Mesa. 
Um, have you maintained contact with anybody else in your mission or, you or know, any German people that you befriended? I, I tried to call Germany probably 10 or 15 years ago and just, just couldn't get a connection to who I was trying to call. And, um, so not really, no, but I have like some of them, some of my uh, companions, companions that yes, I've stayed in contact with. Mm-hmm. And then recently you went to the mission reunion. Oh, that's right. Which was I, awesome. And I did. And Elder Bednar, who also served in Germany, was there. Well, Elder Bednar was uh, served in Austria, German oh, speaking. Okay. Right. And he's hijacking your meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just he came to, he just came to say that the Austrian mission was better than that. <laughs> <laughs> that he walked out. No, the, the, the reunion was on a Friday night. He had a special meeting for anybody that spoke German on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And so we went and, um, that's cool. And it was, it was kind of an interesting meeting. Uh, it was basically for the purpose of letting people know that there's an organization that supports, um, our, uh, articles in German to be written. And so they can put them on the internet for the saints over in, in Germany. Um, it's not like it is here. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot of articles written in German and they're trying to like, they get the enzyme and that's it, but he's saying for right. Other public blogs okay. and stuff. Uh, yeah. Bloggers, a different type of, uh, internet, um, articles and whatnot. article. Yeah. That's cool. So when I picture Germany and I've seen pictures, it looks beautiful and green, but there's also like super gray skies and coming from Arizona, a place that's dry and not cloudy. What, what effect did that have on you? You know, uh, growing up in Arizona, I could walk outside pretty much any day I wanted to look up and see the sky, blue sky, whether it was hot or not hot or whatever see clouds if there were clouds. And it was just, I just took that for granted. I thought everybody could walk outside and look up and see blue sky, but you can't do that in Germany, at least where I was at. So most of the time when you looked up, you saw gray and it was just kind of foggy or misty, or it's just a gray uh, sky. You don't see the sun. You just see kind of a, a, a lighter area in certain parts of the sky. And, and I didn't realize that, that some places are just misty and gray and, and they're just like that all the time. They're that way all the time. Yeah. So, and we talked about this, but I want to dig into it because again, you're in a different country. You're speaking a different language. You're surrounded by mists and fog and gray but you didn't get depressed on your mission. No. How did you not, what did you do to stay positive? I mean, every, every day was a different experience. I, I, I don't just know that an, I had to do anything to stay positive. Was it just was, like an adventure <laughs> for you the whole time and you're just learning and just so excited? You're, to, yeah. I would say I spent, a, I spent a lot of time trying to learn the language, number one. And then when you go out, you're trying to, test what you learned. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I had a native companion. All my companions were from, uh, well, I had one from Canada, Canada, Arizona, uh, Arizona uh, California, Idaho. So everybody spoke English 
and we're all trying to learn this language. And so we'd walk outside and we'd, we'd strike up a conversation and try to use a new word that we just learned, uh, you know, probably earlier that morning. So everything was a new adventure for us. Mm. And, uh, it was, it was difficult to learn a language that way, not being totally 100% immersed into the, into the uh, culture. I mean, we were in Germany, but we weren't speaking at night. We weren't speaking German. Uh, we, we should have been, but we weren't. <laughs> did, did anybody, so like, let's say you're on a bus or you're walking down the street and you're speaking English. Did anybody find that like offensive? That, yeah, that, that would be a little offensive. If, if people could hear us, if we wanted to, to keep something secret, we would, we would oh, speak okay. English. So for the most part though, when you guys are out. When we were outside, we were trying, trying to speak okay. English. Uh, if we didn't know the words, like I, as, as a newbie, I would say, how do you say, and I would say the words in English, but most of the time we're trying, Mm. but it was, it was hard. At least it was hard for me. So tell us, what what was, tell us about your mission president. What was his name? Gary L. Schwindemann. He was a great man. He, uh, he was an attorney and he used to tell us that when we get back to Salt Lake, go to the Brigham Young statue and where he's pointing is where his office is at. Well, they've moved that statue. <laughs> oh. So I'm not sure I could find it, but, uh, president Schwinneman in fact, just died, uh, a few months back. Oh, wow. He was in his nineties. Um, but president Schwinneman was not only the mission president for the Germany Hamburg mission, but he was also the mission president for the East Germany now, there weren't any missionaries in East Germany, but he, when uh, the apostles would come and they would want to go over and visit East Germany, he was the one that would take them mm. and go into East Germany. And when we would have a zone conference and something that had happened in East Germany, we were the, we got to hear about what was going on. One of the experiences and one of the things that he talked about is, uh, I think he was in Dresden or one of the areas in East Germany and they were trying to get permission to meet in a, in a building and they could not, they could, could not get uh, a building. They needed something that they could meet in and they tried and tried and tried. And finally they decided to um, put in a permit to remodel a chicken coop. (laughs) Like a, a chicken coop. <laughs> There's so, no clarification on that. <laughs> yeah. When I think of a chicken coop, I think of what I had in my backyard growing up. Yeah. I'm not sure what this chicken coop looked <laughs> like, but afterwards it was not a chicken coop any longer. Okay. Got to start somewhere. And they, they used it to meet, to meet there. A little branch. Yeah. And uh, so again, I served there in uh, 74 to 76 and 75, 1975 is when, um, um, Thomas S. Monson went to East Germany and dedicated it. And my mission president was with him. And, uh, and then later it took, I think 10 years before temple was built, but that was really, really quick when you look at the Soviet union and what's, mm-hmm. what's been happening. Sounds like a awesome man. How, how did he impact your were, were there any lessons that he taught? And it sounds like he had a lot of his own conferences. Anything that, that has stuck with you over the years? I'm sure there's probably multiple. There's, you know what? Um, he, he was a great man and he taught a lot of things. But one of the things that I remember is kind of a personal experience that I had with him. Uh, 
I was reading the scriptures and I can't even remember what the scripture was. And I was just, I read it and I read it and I'm like, I don't understand what this means. And we, I'm thinking to myself, well, zone conference is coming up. I'll ask President Schwendeman what that, what that means. And um, so I went in for an interview and, and he said, do you have any questions? I said, well, yeah, there's this one scripture that I'm, I'm kind of like to get your input on. And I was a little bit shocked, but then when I think about it, I understand when I asked him what certain things meant on the scripture, he said, elder, read it, pray about it, read it, pray about it, read it, pray about it. That was his answer. So he wasn't going to tell me, going to let me learn for myself. And, uh, that's a wise man. Yeah. Yeah. So nearing the end of your mission, tell, tell us about this last, the, the last European conference of your mission. Were, were there multiple conferences or was this a. No, I, I wasn't aware of any other uh, conferences. So this was during uh, <clears throat> President Kimball was the president of the church at the time. And was he, was he the president when you left or was he, it? He was. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so president Kimball was the, was the president of the church and they were doing regional conferences all over the world. And I think they were trying to let the members have a little more access to the president of the church and the general authorities. So this wasn't a normal general conference. It was a regional conference. And so it wasn't just him that was there as other apostles and said, right. okay. Right. And the, uh, they had set up a regional conference in, um, in Dortmund, which is, uh, central Germany. It's outside of my mission. And it just so happened that my release date was about two days prior to this um, this general conference or regional conference. And so the companion that I had in the MTC, we had decided probably halfway through our mission that we were going to travel after our mission because our mission president really encouraged us to travel. And he encouraged us to go to the Swiss temple. And uh, so we decided we were going to do that. How does that, real quick, how does that work? Just you and him? You just wanted to... You get released in mission... Pre- or you, you don't get released. You just get permission to... You get to go for like a travel. week or two. Right. Oh, okay, okay. So the way that it worked back then is when you bought an airline ticket, you would tell them, they would say, okay, from here to Arizona is X dollars. How do you want to travel? Do you want to go? Which way do you want to go? Mm, what and so flights? as long as we're going in the direction of Arizona, okay, okay. you could travel... And, uh, you could go wherever you want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so go around the we, other way. So we went from, uh, Hamburg to, uh, uh, Dusseldorf, uh, Dusseldorf to Zurich, Zurich went to the temple there, Zurich to England, England to Washington, DC. And that's how I traveled. Oh. Wow. So, uh, we're in uh, Dortmund. We just finished the conference, really good conference. And it was, it was really neat because I got to see a lot of the people that I had 
you know, got to know and members that, that otherwise I would have never seen all in one place, all in one place, right at the end of your mission, right at the end of my mission. Wow. So it was really neat that way. And so my companion and I were, uh, we were at the airport basically waiting for our airline to get ready to go. And we were going to fly to Switzerland and, um, president Kimball's secretary, personal secretary comes walking into the airport and he says, elders, which flight are you on? We told him we were going to Switzerland. He said, president Kimball's on that flight. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we immediately, uh, took our bags and went into the bathroom and changed into the best suits that we had because <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of, you know, travel suit or uh, whatever. Uh, it was a suit, but it wasn't the best one we had. We, and then, um, then president Kimball came walking in and, uh, he introduced himself to us and asked who we were. And I got to tell him that my dad was from Thatcher and then he really perked up because he's from Thatcher and, uh, he knew my grandpa, knew my dad. Really? Yeah. Wow. And that was, <laughs> that was a really neat experience. And so we got to meet president Kimball and we flew to, Zur uh, to Zurich. And I can tell you, I didn't have any worries about that flight. This plane's not going uh, down. I was about to say, at least you know it's I not knew, going down. I knew it was going to be just fine. And then uh, <clears throat> we went and we were going to go to the temple the next day. And we realized that the temple wasn't open the next day because they were having a special meeting. And uh, it was President Kimball and some of the general authorities had gone there as well. And they were meeting with the temple staff. And uh, so the next day after that, we went to the temple and as we came out, there were some wives of the general authorities that recognized us and said, elders, we were looking all over for you. We knew that you were going to come to the temple and we had a bus and we had extra room, but. You could have been on a bus with general we, authority. We <laughs> could have, yeah, we could have been on the bus, but anyway, we didn't know. That's cool. That's quite a way to end your mission. So reflecting back on missionary life, what do you, what do you miss the most? Mission life. Well, when you're younger, you don't have the worries of making a living. You don't have the worries of family. You don't have a lot of worries. So you can spend your time studying the gospel, reflecting on who you are and um, what it means to you. And I think a mission is really not, to me, it wasn't about converting a bunch of people. It was about gaining my own testimony and knowing that the church is true. And uh, that's what was really important to me. What, what's, what's one thing, again, reflecting back, or maybe right at the end of your mission, looking back, what's something that you learned about yourself after going through two years of serving? Well, so what I learned was in Germany, 
it's a whole different ball game than if going if you're going to South America. And the conversion rate in Germany is not very high. Although I had success, it was usually that I found out later that I had success. Somebody that I taught that we found and we had lessons with. And I found out that it's not always in the Lord's time frame that you're going to have success when you're on your mission. You'll go there, you'll think you'll, you're, you're pumped up, but you quickly find out that the Lord's time frame is not your time frame. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be patient. You have to learn what you're supposed to learn. And everybody has a reason why they're called in certain areas. And I think my reason was to learn patience, to learn that, uh, uh, you, you got to wait a little bit and, uh, learn what the Lord wants you to do. Well, if that's why you went to your mission to learn patience, I uh, think you definitely, yeah, I was going to say you're probably the most patient man. I know on the face of this earth. <laughs> I, I got a question though. Have you ever been back? No. Do you want yes. to go back? Yes. All right. Well, we got to find a way to make it. Uh, yeah. Back. I think that'd be great. I mean, we, we, we have to find a way to make it happen. Oh, I think. Yeah. So as you were naming off these towns, I was looking them up mm-hmm. real beautiful and they're all, at least the, f- the two that you mentioned were coastal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right on the North sea. So you, when you talk about being gray, you were getting a lot of that fog right. and stuff right. like that. Well, see, even in Hamburg, uh, same thing. And, and I was in uh, the other area that I didn't mention was, uh, they call it Brunswick, uh, Braunschweig in German. The famous um, for bowling. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> are, they, are they really? <laughs> Brunswick lanes? From? So, uh, <laughs> yes. he's over here nodding. I, like, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know, even, is there, is that like a, that's like a, a bowling company or bowling a, lane? That's like a franchise. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, for those who don't know, there's, there's bowling lanes here in Arizona called Brunswick lanes. Anyway. Yeah. I, I've never looked that up, but we got to <laughs> see where that comes from. Well, that's cool. Yeah. We definitely got to find a way to take you back. I think that would be awesome. Oh, I think we'll, uh, mom and I will go one of these days, but, uh, just haven't made it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Or me and Zach will take you. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. So we'll take pictures and send them back to your mom you've or had, to your wife. You, you've had two sons and a son that's currently serving a mission. What advice do you give to people going on a mission? You know, um, well, you know me, I don't talk a whole lot. And the thing that you, the advice that I would give is you need to go for the right reason. Um, if you're going to go on vacation, which I think originally in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this will be a great vacation. It's hard. Going on a mission is hard. If anybody tells you it's not, they're lying to you, but it's also one of the best times of your life. So it's, it's like life in two years, what life will be like after, you know, when you're married, there's good times, there's bad times but there's a lot of hard times and you need to know why you're going on a mission. And if you're not going for the right reason, then you may not want to go. But, uh, uh, if you dedicate yourself, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Um, do you remember, are there any, I know it's been what, 40 years since you served 45, 45. Do you remember any German? Like typically we have someone bear their testimony yeah. in their mission language. Oh boy. Is, is there something that you, you can, can do say? It. You can do it. 
Um, you know, I've forgotten a lot of German, but uh, uh, the other day that, um, well, it wasn't the other day, it was about three years ago, I had a client that um, she was from Germany. And we started talking and realized that she lived right down the street from one of the uh, ward buildings that, that I had served at. And, and I, would, I was trying to speak German to her. And I would call on the phone. And this man answered. And I knew it wasn't her husband because her husband is, is an American. And she wasn't there and he was having a hard time and he was, uh, he was trying to speak English. And finally I just said, well, come see here. And he started speaking German to me and I really had to stop and think about what he was saying. <laughs> yeah, he had <laughs> and, the process. But he was so excited that I could speak a little bit of German. So I'll, I'll try to say a little bit auf, auf Deutsch. Um, Ich möchte Ihnen meine Zeugnis geben, dass ich weiß, dass die Kirche Jesu Christi der Heiligen der letzten Tage war ist. Ich bin dankbar, dass ich ein Missionar der Kirche auf Deutschland sein konnte. Ich weiß, dass Joseph Smith ein Prophet Gottes war. Und ich weiß, dass das Buch Mormon war ist. Ich habe das gelesen. Und ich bin dankbar, dass ich auf Deutschland sein konnte und dass ich die Leute kennen können. Es freut mich sehr, dass ich mein Zeugnis geben können. Und ich sage diese Dinge im Namen Jesu Christi. Amen. 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 Dad, thanks again for coming on and sharing your experiences. And Definitely. I know it's tough. I don't think anyone can do their mission justice in one hour in a podcast or an episode, but of all the people, at least I can speak for myself, your mission impacted you, but definitely impacted me. And when I was on my mission, and I think you, you might know this, but I had a picture of you on me at all times. It was in my white handbook. I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I still have that picture. I thought it was Joe McKellar. <laughs> it wasn't Joe McKellar. Is it the one of him in front of the Model T? No. With his bell bottom? No. <laughs> it's, it's a picture of you. And I think it was right before you went on your mission. And whenever times were hard for me on my mission, I'd look at that. And I knew that you had a tough mission. And I knew that there were, that you had a lot of frustration. And at least people weren't as receptive as, as maybe you had wanted or hoped. And it always gave me courage that you turned out, you're the best man I know. I don't, there's no one else that I esteem greater than you. And I just wanted to have that shared experience of serving a mission. So dad, thank, thank you for serving your mission. Well, love you, Jordan. Appreciate that. <laughs> love you too, dad. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think in closing, honestly, uh, you know, Jay, I've known you the last, what, 10 years. And, uh, what little I've known about your mission. I've known you've had a lot of respect for your mission and the time that you had served and having you seen, having been a part of uh, Jordan's life pre-mission and watching him go on a mission and now Cade, your youngest who's serving a mission, uh, you've raised some good boys. And uh, I can only hope that I could be a good uh, example to young men like you have been. So I appreciate it. That wraps us up for this episode. 
Look us up on herebycall.com. <laughs> yeah, herebycall.com on Instagram. It is actually herebycall.com. We've started to post on Instagram. We've gotten a few followers, but uh, yeah, we're going to start ramping up social. I know we've said it like four or five different times, but um, like and subscribe yep. and we will post this on Sunday. Yep. Take it easy, guys. Bye.